Chapter Twenty Three of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Ball at the Opera. The ball was at its height when they glided in quietly, and were soon lost in the crowd. A couple had taken refuge from the pressure under the Queen's box. One of them wore a white domino, and the other a black one. They were talking with great animation. I tell you, Oliva said the black domino, that I am sure you are expecting someone. Your head is no longer a head, but a weathercock, and turns round to look after every newcomer. Well, is it astonishing that I should look at the people, when that is what I came here for? Oh, that is what you came for. Well, sir, and for what do people generally come? A thousand things. Men, perhaps but women only for one, to see and be seen by as many people as possible. Mademoiselle Oliva! Oh, do not speak in that big voice. It does so frighten me, and, above all, do not call me by name. It is bad taste to let everyone here know who you are. The black domino made an angry gesture. It was interrupted by a blue domino who approached them. Come, monsieur, said he let madame amuse herself it is not every night one comes to a ball at the opera meddle with your own affairs replied beausire rudely monsieur learn once for all that a little courtesy is never out of place i do not know you he replied and do not want to have anything to do with you no you do not know me, but I know you, Monsieur Beausire. At hearing his name thus pronounced, Beausire visibly trembled. Ha! Oh, do not be afraid, Monsieur Beausire. I am not what you take me for. Pardieu, sir! Do you guess thoughts as well as names? Why not? Then tell me what I thought. I have never seen a sorcerer, and should find it amusing. Ha! Oh. What you ask is not difficult enough to entitle me to that name. Never mind. Tell. Well, then, you took me for an agent of Monsieur de Crosny. Monsieur de Crosny, he repeated. Yes, the lieutenant of police. Sir! Softly, Monsieur Beausire. You really look as if you were feeling for your sword. And so I was, sir. Good heavens! What a warlike disposition! But I think, dear Monsieur Beausire, you left your sword at home, and you did well. But to speak of something else, will you relinquish to me, madame, for a time? Give you up, madame? Yes, sir. That is not uncommon, I believe, at a ball at the opera. Certainly not. When it suits the gentleman. It suffices sometimes that it should please the lady. Do you ask it for a long time? Really, Monsieur Beausire, you are too curious. Perhaps for ten minutes, perhaps for an hour, perhaps for all the evening. You are laughing at me, sir. Come, reply, will you or not? No, sir. Come, come, do not be ill-tempered. You who were so gentle just now. Just now? Yes, 
at the Rue Dauphine. Oliva laughed. Hold your tongue, madame, said Beausire. Yes, continued the blue domino, where you were on the point of killing this poor lady, but stopped at the sight of some Louis. Oh, I see. You and she have an understanding together. How can you say such a thing? cried Oliva. And if it were so, said the stranger, it is all for your benefit. For my benefit? That would be curious. I will prove to you that your presence here is as hurtful as your absence would be profitable. You are a member of a certain academy, not the Académie Française, but in the Rue de pot in the second story, is it not, my dear Monsieur Beausire? Hush! said Beausire. The blue domino drew out his watch, which was studded with diamonds that made Beausire's eyes water to look at them. Well, continued he, in a quarter of an hour they are going to discuss their little project, by which they hope to secure two million francs among the twelve members, of whom you are one, Monsieur Beausire. "'And you must be another, if you are not. "'Pray, go on. "'A member of the police?' "'Ha! Monsieur Beausire, I thought you had more sense. "'If I were of the police, I should have taken you long ago, "'for some little affairs less honorable than this speculation.' "'So, sir, you wish to send me to the Rue de pot fair "'But I know why.' that i may be arrested there i am not such a fool now you are one if i wanted to arrest you i had only to do it and i am rid of you at once but gentleness and persuasion are my maxims oh i know now said beausire you are the man that was on the sofa two hours ago what sofa never mind you have induced me to go, and if you are sending a gallant man into harm, you will pay for it some day. Be tranquil, said the blue domino, laughing. By sending you there, I give you a hundred thousand francs at least, for you know the rule of this society is that whoever is absent loses his share. Well, then, good-bye said Beausire, and vanished. The blue domino took possession of Oliva's arm, left at liberty by Beausire. Now, said she, I have let you manage poor Beausire at your ease, but I warn you, you will find me not so easy to talk over. Therefore, find something pretty to say to me, or... I know nothing prettier than your own history, dear Mademoiselle Nicole, said he, pressing the pretty round arm of the little woman who uttered a cry at hearing herself so addressed, but recovering herself with marvellous quickness, said, "'Oh, mon Dieu, what a name! Is it I whom you call Nicole? If so, you are wrong, for that is not my name.' "'At present I know that you call yourself Oliva, but we will talk afterwards of Oliva.' At present I want to speak of Nicole. Have you forgotten the time when you bore that name? I do not believe it, my dear child, for the name that one bears as a young girl is ever the one enshrined in the heart. 
although one may have been forced to take another to hide the first. Poor Oliva. Happy Nicole. Why do you say poor Oliva? Do you not think me happy? It would be difficult to be happy with a man like Beausire. Oliva sighed and said, Indeed, I am not. You love him, however. A little. If you do not love him much, leave him. No. Why not? Because I should no sooner have done so than I should regret it. Do you think so? I am afraid I should. What could you have to regret in a drunkard, a gambler, a man who beats you, and a blackleg who will one day come to the gallows? You would not understand me if I told you. Try. I should regret the excitement he keeps me in. I ought to have guessed it. That comes of passing your youth with such silent people. You know about my youth? Perfectly. Oliva laughed and shook her head. You doubt it. Really, I do. Then we will talk a little about it, Mademoiselle Nicole. Very well, but I warn you, I will tell nothing. I do not wish it. I do not mean your childhood. I begin from the time when you first perceived that you had a heart capable of love. Love? For whom? For Gilbert. At this name, Oliva trembled. Ah! Mon Dieu! she cried. How do you know? Then, with a sigh, said, Oh, sir! You have pronounced the name indeed fertile in remembrances. You knew Gilbert? Yes, since I speak to you of him. Alas! A charming lad, upon my word. You loved him? He was handsome. No, perhaps not, but I thought him so. He was full of mind my equal in birth, but Gilbert thought no woman his equal. Not even Mademoiselle de T— Oh, I know whom you mean, sir. You are well instructed. Yes, Gilbert loved higher than the poor Nicole. You are possessed of terrible secrets, sir. Tell me if you can. She continued, looking earnestly at him. What has become of him? You should know best. Why, in heaven's name? Because if he followed you from Tavernay to Paris, you followed him from Paris to Trianon. Yes, that is true. But that is ten years ago, and I wish to know what had passed since the time I ran away, and since he disappeared. When Gilbert loved Mademoiselle de... Do not pronounce names aloud, said he. Well, then, when he loved her so much that each tree at Trianon was witness to his love, you loved him no more. On the contrary, I loved him more than ever, and this love was my ruin. I am beautiful, proud, and when I please, insolent, 
and would lay my head on the scaffold rather than confess myself despised you have a heart nicole i had then she said sighing this conversation makes you sad no it does me good to speak of my youth but tell me why gilbert fled from trianon do you wish me to confirm a suspicion or to tell you something you do not know something i do not know well i cannot tell you this have you not heard that he is dead yes i have but well he is dead dead said nicole with an air of doubt then with a sudden start grant me one favor she cried as many as you like i saw you two hours ago for it was you was it not certainly you did not then try to disguise yourself not at all but i was stupid i saw you but i did not observe you i do not understand do you know what i want no take off your mask here impossible oh you cannot fear other people seeing you here behind this column you will be quite hidden you fear that i should recognize you you and that i should cry it is you it is gilbert what folly take off your mask yes on one condition that you will take off yours if i ask it agreed the unknown took off his immediately oliver looked earnestly at him then sighed and said alas no it is not gilbert and who am i oh i do not care as you are not he and if it had been gilbert said he as he put on his mask again oh, if it had been cried she passionately and he had said to me nicole do you remember tavernet maison rouge then there would have been no longer a boast sire in the world for me but i have told you my dear child that gilbert is dead huh. perhaps then it is for the best said oliva with a sigh yes he would never have loved you beautiful as you are do you then think he despised me no he rather feared you that is possible then you think it better he is dead do not repeat my words in your mouth they wound me but it is better for mademoiselle oliva you observe i abandon nicole and speak to oliva you have before you a future happy rich and brilliant do you think so yes if you make up your mind to do anything to arrive at this end 
I promise you. But you must give up sighing, as you were doing just now. Very well. I sighed for Gilbert, and as he is dead, and there are not two Gilberts in the world, I shall sigh no more. But enough of him. Yes, we will speak of yourself. Why did you run away with Beausire? Because I wished to quit Trianon, and I was obliged to go with someone. I could no longer remain a pisalet, rejected by Gilbert. You have then been faithful for ten years through pride. You have paid dearly for it. Oliver laughed. Oh, I know what you are laughing at. To hear a man who pretends to know everything accuse you of having been ten years faithful when you have not rendered yourself worthy of such a ridiculous reproach. However, I know all about you. I know that you went to Portugal with Beausire, where you remained two years, that you then left him and went to the Indies with the captain of a frigate, who hid you in his cabin and who left you at Chand de Nagor when he returned to Europe. I know that you had two millions of rupees to spend in the house of a nabob who kept you shut up, that you escaped through the window on the shoulders of a slave. Then, rich, for you had carried away two beautiful pearl bracelets, two diamonds and three large rubies, you came back to France. When landing at Brest, your evil genius made you encounter Beausire on the quay, who recognized you immediately, bronzed and altered as you were, while you almost fainted at the sight of him. Oh, mon dieu, cried Oliva, who are you then who know all this? I know further that Beausire carried you off again, persuaded you that he loved you, sold your jewels and reduced you to poverty. Still, you say you love him, and as love is the root of all happiness, of course, you ought to be happy. Oliva hung her head and covered her eyes with her hands, but two large tears might be seen forcing their way through her fingers. Liquid pearls, more precious though not so marketable as those Beausire had sold. "'And this woman,' at last she said, "'whom you describe as so proud and so happy, "'you have bought to-day for fifty louis.' "'I am aware it is too little, mademoiselle.' "'No, sir. "'On the contrary, I am surprised that a woman like me should be worth so much.' "'You are worth more than that, as I will show you. "'But just now I want all your attention.' "'Then I will be silent.' No, talk, on the contrary of anything. It does not matter what, so that we seem occupied. You are very odd. Take hold of my arm and let us walk. They walked on among the various groups. In a minute or two, Oliva asked a question. Talk as much as you like. Only don't ask questions at present, said her companion, for I cannot answer now. Only, as you speak, disguise your voice, hold your head up, and scratch your neck with your fan. She obeyed. In a minute they passed a highly perfumed group in the center of which a very elegant-looking man was talking fast 
to three companions who were listening respectfully who is that young man in that beautiful gray domino asked oliva monsieur le comte d'artois but pray do not speak just now at this moment two other dominoes passed them and stood in a place near which was rather free from people lean on this pillar countess said one of them in a low voice but which was overheard by the blue domino who started at its sound then a yellow domino passing through the crowd came up to the blue one and said it is he very good replied the other and the yellow domino vanished now then said oliva's companion turning to her we will begin to enjoy ourselves a little i hope so for you have twice made me sad first by taking away beausire and then by speaking of gilbert i will be both gilbert and beausire to you said the unknown oh sighed oliva i do not ask you to love me remember i only ask you to accept the life i offer you that is the accomplishment of all your desires provided occasionally you give way to mine just now i have one what that black domino that you see there is a german of my acquaintance who refused to come to the ball with me saying he was not well and now he is here and a lady with him who is she i don't know we will approach them i will pretend that you are a german and you must not speak for fear of being found out now pretend to point him out to me with the end of your fan like that yes very well now whisper to me oliva obeyed with a docility which charmed her companion the black domino who had his back turned to them did not see all this but his companion did take care monseigneur said she there are two masks watching us oh do not be afraid countess they cannot recognize us do not mind them but let me assure you that never form was so enchanting as yours never eyes so brilliant never hush the spies approach spies said the cardinal uneasily disguise your voice if they make you speak and i will do the same oliva and her blue domino indeed approached he came up to the cardinal and said mask what do you want said the cardinal in a voice as unlike his natural one as he could make it the lady who accompanies me desires me to ask you some questions ask said monsieur de rohan are they very indiscreet said madame de lamotte so indiscreet that you shall not hear them and he pretended to whisper to oliva who made a sign in answer then in irreproachable german he said to the cardinal monseigneur are you in love with the lady who accompanies you the cardinal trembled did you say monseigneur he asked yes you deceive yourself i am not the person you think oh monsieur le cardinal do not deny it it is useless if even i did not know you the lady who accompanies me assures me she knows you perfectly 
and he again whispered to Oliva, "'Make a sign for yes. Do so each time I press your arm.' She did so. "'You astonish me,' said the cardinal. "'Who is this lady?' "'Oh, Monseigneur, I thought you would have known. She soon knew you. It is true that jealousy—' "'Madame is jealous of me?' cried the cardinal. "'We do not say that,' replied the unknown rather haughtily. "'What are you talking about?' asked Madame de Lamotte, who did not like this conversation in German. "'Oh, nothing, nothing!' "'Madame,' said the cardinal to Oliva, "'one word from you, and I promise to recognize you instantly.' Oliva, who saw him speaking to her, but did not understand a word, whispered to her companion. All this mystery piqued the cardinal. "'One single German word,' he said, "'could not much compromise, madame.' The blue domino again pretended to take her orders, and then said, "'Monsieur le cardinal, these are the words of madame, he whose thoughts are not ever on the alert, he whose imagination does not perpetually suggest the presence of the loved one, does not love, however much he may pretend it.' The cardinal appeared struck with these words. All his attitude expressed surprise, respect, and devotion." it is impossible he murmured in french what is impossible asked madame de lamotte who seized eagerly on these few words she could understand nothing madame nothing really cardinal you are making me play but a sorry part said she withdrawing her arm angrily he did not even seem to notice it so great was his preoccupation with the german lady madame said he to her these words that your companion has repeated to me in your name are some german lines which i read in a house which is perhaps known to you the blue domino pressed oliva's arm who thereupon bowed in assent that house said the cardinal hesitatingly is it not called schoenbrunn she again made a gesture of assent. They were written on a table of cherry wood, with a gold bodkin by an august hand. Yes, bowed Oliva again. The cardinal stopped. He tottered and leaned against the pillar for support. Madame de Lamotte stood by watching this strange scene. Then the cardinal, touching the blue domino, said, This is the conclusion of the quotation but he who sees everywhere the loved object who recognizes her by a flower by a perfume through the thickest veils he can still be silent his voice in his heart and if one other understands him he is happy oh they are speaking german here said a young voice from an approaching group let us listen do you speak german marshal no monseigneur you charny yes your highness here is monsieur le comte d'artois said oliva softly to her companion a crowd followed them and many were passing round take care gentlemen said the blue domino 
monsieur replied the prince the people are pushing us at this moment some invisible hand pulled oliva's hood from behind and her mask fell she replaced it as quickly as possible with a half-terrified cry which was echoed by one of affected disquiet from her companion several others around looked no little bewildered the cardinal nearly fainted and madame de lamotte supported him the pressure of the crowd separated the comte d'artois and his party from them then the blue domino approached the cardinal and said this is indeed an irreparable misfortune this lady's honor is at your mercy oh monsieur murmured the cardinal who was much agitated let us go quickly said the blue domino to oliva and they moved away now i know said madame de lamotte to herself what the cardinal meant was impossible he took this woman for the queen but what an effect it has had on him would you like to leave the ball asked monsieur de rohan in a feeble voice as you please monseigneur replied jeanne i do not find much interest here do you none at all they pushed their way through the crowd the cardinal who was tall looked all around him to try and see again the vision which had disappeared but blue white and gray dominoes were everywhere and he could distinguish no one they had been some time in the carriage and he had not yet spoken to Jeanne. end of chapter twenty three recording by john van stan savannah georgia